millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted. Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. We are in our studio today, Sean Patton. Sean is the Africa Regional Director for Voice of the Martyrs, overseeing all of our work, all of our projects on the continent of Africa. Sean, welcome back to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thanks, Todd. It's good to be here. I want to start out in Mozambique because uh, we have just had one of our coworkers, one of your staff has just been there mm-hmm. uh, on the ground seeing firsthand what's happening in the northern part of that country. What did he see? You know, Mozambique right now in the Cabo Delgado region in northern Mozambique, there's been an Islamic insurgency. So this group has been terrorizing uh, the Cabo Delgado region. 800,000 people displaced right now. Entire wow. cities that are empty. You know, it's affecting both Christians and Muslims. The The population of Christians in that area is 30 to, to 50 percent, maybe depending on who you talk to. And so um, it is affecting both groups, Christians and Muslims. But um, we are seeing Christians being especially targeted in the region. And so examples of that would be the terrorists coming to a town. Um, if you're a Muslim, they may give you an opportunity to recite Quranic verses, they may let you go with your life, whereas many of the Christians are being beheaded, they're being crucified, they're having their family members killed in front of them, and then forced to drink the blood, eat the flesh of their family members, and just an attempt to mock Christianity and and to drive the point home. And so so it is affecting a lot of people, and it's affecting a lot of people who aren't Christians, and yet Christians are being targeted in a very specific way. We try to give special attention to pastors, frontline workers, to get those guys back on their feet. Many of these frontline workers, pastors who are in the area, they've lost their family members. They've had this happen to them. They don't know where their kids are. They don't know if their wife is still alive. That's really a challenge to get these guys the, the spiritual help that they need, the physical help that they need um, so that they can get back in the fight. When you talk about 800,000 people displaced, mm-hmm. where are they going? What are they doing? How are they getting enough to eat? What, what's happening with yeah, that? Yeah, that, that's a challenge. They're, they're, they're fleeing to other towns. They're fleeing south. And so we've, we've partnered with folks on the ground who were able to give food relief and things like that, give the immediate help. In this crisis, uh, we have helped with those immediate needs but one of the things we have been helping with are audio Bibles, and it is just amazing to hear the testimonies of people whom you would think would be saying, we need more food, we need more blankets, we need more relief items. Like, that stuff's all okay, but we really, right now, what's encouraging us, what's feeding us, what's helping us through this is the Word of God. And that's both from Christians, and it's also Muslim seekers. And so wow. that that's the exciting thing in a tragedy like this, is it? It does create hopelessness for people from an Islamic background. 
and they're disillusioned as they're persecuted by their own right. people. They've been and attacked they, they've by been attacked. fellow Muslims. They begin questioning all of this, and then for the first time in their lives, they get to hear the Word of God, maybe in their own language, and it's a game changer. It really is. Sean, as we talk about northern Mozambique, and we talk mm-hmm. about 800,000 displaced people, mm-hmm. we talk about an Islamist group that is controlling whole cities— mm-hmm. And yet it seems like this is completely under the radar of the news, of the world. How is that possible? You know, some of it is, I think, just been the situation where the government hasn't been wanting to reach out for international help to deal with the situation. And there's a lot of theories of why that is. And um, and so I, I think just a lot of the politics and things involved, it hasn't been getting a lot of attention in the news. And then the attention it has been getting has been more about the resources and um, the oil deposits and things like that in the region that, you know, those those things are being affected as well. And so the economic effects, those kinds of things are being reported in the news. What we're not seeing reported in the news is these personal stories of how it's affecting people and uh, especially how it's affecting our Christian brothers and sisters. I know some of the stories that uh, that our worker heard were mm-hmm. from pastors, mm-hmm. and like you mentioned, some of them they don't they yeah. don't know where their spouse is, they yeah. don't know what happened to their children, mm-hmm. or their children have been killed, and yet they're helping with these food distributions. They're mm-hmm. preaching the gospel at some of these places. Yeah, that's amazing. It is. Amazing. I, I mean, I I just am in awe of that amount of courage and that amount of willingness to say, you know what, I'm going to set aside my own personal grief and suffering and pain, mm-hmm. and I'm going to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do they do that? I, <laughs> I mean, that's, I that's mean, obviously so it's, amazing it's, to me. It's the grace of God. I wanted to share a quote of um, a, a pastor that our field leader spoke with, and so this is just a direct quote uh, when he was just asked, how do you do that? How do you serve? How do you keep going? in the midst of this. And, you know, he, he's quoting part of Romans 8 here in, in the beginning of this, but he says this, quote, what could separate me from God? Death? No. The war? No. So, of course, I'll continue to serve my God because he gave himself. I will also give myself. The people out there, I need to give them hope and counsel and my testimony. I've lost everything just like them. When I fled, I left my food. My house was burned down, but Jesus was not cut out of me. He was not burned out of me. So I continue to encourage and serve. Wow. And so that's just a refrain that pastor after pastor spoke to our field leader is that, yeah, they're suffering right alongside the people, but they also realize greater is he who is in us and he who is in the world. And I have a hope to give, and I have to, I have to let that testimony, that hope, that testimony of what Christ has done for us and what he suffered for us shine during this time. I want to talk about how we can pray, and we're going to talk about a couple of other places as well, but let's talk about Mozambique. And, I, and first I want to talk about your, you and your staff mm-hmm. who go into a situation like this. I, I don't imagine that you get on the plane and fly home and that's just sort of is gone from your mind and gone from your heart. Yeah. I would imagine you kind of carry the weight of that how do we pray for your staff as as they're in Mozambique, they're in Sudan, they're in these places, having these conversations with Christians there? Yeah, I, I mean, I I think praying for for stamina, for encouragement. Um, 
you know, it's it. I think we feel selfish sometimes. We go in, we see these things, we come out, and and we feel af- affected. You know, it, it it bothers us. In fact, I've I've heard many on my team say this year that they've seen the imagery, the photos, um, the things that we've seen happening in Africa this year are some of the most disturbing things we've ever dealt with. And that's some some guys who have seen a lot. But I think there's also a sense of guilt of where you come out and you're like, I just experienced that for a week or two weeks on the ground. These guys now are, are living that. I'm safe and comfortable I'm safe, I'm comfortable in the home. You know, you, you put yourself in that situation, you try to imagine what would it be like if I lost my kids? What would it be like if I lost my wife? How would I respond in this situation? But um, but then there's a sense of guilt of, of feeling, you know, these guys really have to stay and they have to live it. And so... Um, kind of a I, balancing act. It almost. is, it is. And I, I think it's a, it's a challenge. You know, you almost... You feel it, but then you also feel guilty for feeling it because you realize I'm not feeling it the way these right. guys are feeling it. Yeah, so I'd, I'd say just continued, you know, stamina and strength and um, uh, the ability to, to stay strong, you know, just mentally and spiritually and to be able to continue to encourage others. That's that's yeah. what we need. Let's talk about the people in Mozambique. And some of the prayer requests are obvious. When you yeah. talk about 800,000 displaced people— yeah. When you talk about pastors who don't know where their wives are, right? Um, it's pretty obvious. Let's let's pray for those situations. But what are what are some other ways that we can pray specifically for what's happening in northern Mozambique? You know, everyone would say pray for peace, you know, and that the the situation would be under control, that the government would do the things they need to do to bring in security help and things like that to to arrest this and to stop it and to get it under control. Obviously, perseverance for those involved. You know, you hear these pastors and. They're amazing individuals, but of course they they need grace. Um, they need strength. These are these are amazing quotes that that they've shared. But there are real struggles and there are real difficulties, and you know they're dealing with with trauma. And so, um, so just a prayer for those guys that they can continue to persevere through this situation. And and of course that you know these folks have have been displaced. That the Lord would continue to provide that they might have food and clothing and shelter, and then ultimately that the Lord would use what in our minds looks like a just a horrible tragedy to just bring many to faith. And we are seeing that. We are seeing a hunger for the Word of God. We're seeing people from a Muslim background come to faith. And so just that prayer that Joseph taught us to pray that we know that others may have meant this for evil, but we pray that God would use this all for the good of the people there and for his glory, and we trust he is doing that. Amen. Sean, I want to shift gears now and talk about Ethiopia. Uh, VOM has just sent out a special report. If if you're on our mailing list, you got a report about what's happening in Ethiopia right now. How intense is the persecution of our Christian brothers and sisters in Ethiopia? It's really intense, and it's been it's been rising. These are are large scale attacks that are are happening where. Unlike maybe like an insurgency and other places where people are being displaced, these are happening in cities, not by terrorists, but by your neighbors, by local mobs. Which and in so, some ways I think would be harder. I think uh-huh. I think it is in some ways. It's not this common enemy, but these are these are people I live life with. You know, the special report I think does a really good job of kind of showing the three different areas in Ethiopia where we're seeing this rise in persecution. In the south with the Romo Islamic extremists, we're seeing it in the east with Somali Islamic extremists, and then the 
in the North with people from a traditional Christian background who are persecuting evangelical Christians. And so, but in the two Muslim areas, just huge attacks where entire cities, Christians are being targeted. Um, I mean, their homes are being burned down. Their businesses are being burned down. Their churches are being burned down. So they're just, these are huge attacks that are affecting lots of people. It's, it's affecting everything, their livelihood. Do you have a sense of why it's increased in recent years? What, what has changed or, or what has happened that has made it get so much worse in such a really short amount of, amount of time? It's, it's Islamic extremism. Um, we know that, you know, Wahhabism or some of the strictest teachings in Islam are being taught in these areas. People are being radicalized. Other Islamic nations are sending in teachers aid. and aid and, and funding. And, and um, that's really, I think, what's caused this. And that's, that's been a, a consistent consensus among people there is that there's just been a radicalization that's been increasing and it's been happening rapidly. Essentially, there are Islamic missionaries there. Absolutely. Spreading radical Islam. We, we have videos of missionary activities of Islamists in Africa, even raising funds to their donors in places like Saudi Arabia. And it's almost chilling. They're showing education and they're showing, you know, all of these things that they're doing to spread like, Islam. Like we might see at our church it, it, on it, Mission it Sunday. It looks yeah. exactly like something you might see at your church. But then there's this chilling effect of what happens after all of those things and the radicalization and the, uh, the violence that follows. So Let's talk a little bit about Tigray because yeah. there is essentially a civil war that's going yeah. on in the region. There is also numerous reports of Eritrean troops, mm-hmm. and we know Eritrea is a mm-hmm. horrible persecutor right. of Christians. Their right. troops coming across into Ethiopia. How is that affecting Christians? How is it affecting the church there? Right. So the two main populations of Christians in the north would be evangelical Christians that are there who are working among traditional Christians who are trying to advance the gospel. And that's a fairly small number. I mean, we think there may be 250 evangelical pastors in the Tigray region. But you also have Eritrean Christians who have fled Eritrea into the Tigray region who are living in camps. We know that at least two of those camps have been destroyed. We know there have been numerous Eritrean Christians who have fled to the capital, Addis Ababa, in Ethiopia. But we also know that there have been many also that have been taken back to Eritrea and putting back into prison. So the Eritrean troops are coming across the border into Ethiopia, yep. capturing Eritrean Christians who've had to flee their country, right. and then taking them back to go to jail. Right. And that wow. includes it includes Christians, it includes others who maybe aren't Christians from Eritrea, but any Eritreans the Eritrean troops are finding in the Tigray region are seen as deserters and are being taken back and then re-imprisoned. And so that's what's happening to our Christian brothers and sisters who maybe have spent many years in in prisons, fled to and found refuge in Ethiopia, and now have been recaptured and taken back and put in prison. So just a horrible situation for them. How do we pray for for all that's going on in Ethiopia? How can our listeners pray? Again, uh, peace. I mean, peace and stability to the region. Um, Perseverance, again, of those who who are there. Um, VOM right now is currently helping every single evangelical pastor that we know of in the North. And again, this is part of that strategy of helping 
the frontline workers, helping the pastors get back on their feet. And kind have of helping st- the shepherds. Helping too. the shepherds have stability so that they can get in and then minister to others. And that's that's always a strategy that we try to take. And so, um, and we're seeing fruit in it. You know, I mean, we got, I received a text yesterday. It's a couple dozen churches have been planted uh, in the Tigray region since the war started. Wow. And so it's not like these frontline workers have stopped. And a lot of that's because you know, what we're able to do of going and, and continue to help encourage them and give them what they need to keep going. So what does that help look like? Well, like, I'm a pastor in yeah. the Tigray region. How's VOM going to help me? Well, right now it would be a situation where, like, you have massive inflation and, and people just can't afford food. They can't afford rent. They can't afford to live. And so we're giving temporary help right now to just say, let's help these pastors. Instead of having to flee to maybe the capital or somewhere else where they could afford to live, let's help give them what they need so that they can stay there, live, be on the ground, and minister in the midst of the conflict. You know, the church there is a missionary church in the Tigray region. It's a small church. They've been persecuted themselves by traditional Christians. And so, you know, you just feel like we can't lose the witness of the church during this time, and they want to stay, and so we're giving them the help to be able to stay. That's awesome. Sean, I know you're just off the plane back from Uganda. Mm-hmm. What is happening with Christians in Uganda? Well, um, you know, you, Uganda is typically thought of as, as more of a Christian as nation. As a Christian nation, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> there, there are pockets of um, just extreme uh, is, Islamic strongholds, and so those are the areas we're working in. Um, an example of this, you know, I was I met with a, a missionary family while I was in Uganda and just got to hear the story of an amazing family, uh, the Pettit family, who were Wisconsin dairy farmers and had left everything in 2004 to go work in Uganda, went to one of these Muslim strongholds. Both the husband and wife were executed by, by Muslim extremists in 2004. And wow. so uh, that just gives you a, a feel of you can go a lot of places in Uganda. It feels like a Christian nation. You can go to this, these specific strongholds, and the opposition is very intense. And so that's one of the areas I was in on this trip. But it's just so exciting to see what the Lord's doing there. Uh, the churches there are extremely organized, and so that's really helped them as they not only evangelize Muslims, but they're thinking about how do we care for Muslims. They, they understand the problems that are going to happen when people come to faith. You evangelize a Muslim family, maybe the wife comes to faith, she's kicked out of the home, she's got six kids that are coming with her, what do you do with that? So the churches there are all training up caregivers, they're placing people from a Muslim background with a Christian apprentice who may be training them in tailoring or in uh, something at a salon, or for the men it may be carpentry, maybe welding, and so there's this detailed plan of we're going to win Muslims to the faith, but we're all going to also going to help them to stand and be sustainable. We consistently heard about how COVID has struck fear in the heart of people, and people began asking big questions. And because of that, many Muslims have now converted. And, uh, you know, just one example, we were in a church. We were with a missions coordinator from a, from a local denomination, and he hadn't been able to visit this particular church um, since COVID started. And so... Everybody in the church who were there were MBBs, but he just got up and asked, he said, how many of you have I never met? Like, how many of you are new MBBs, 
since COVID started, I haven't got to come to the church and half the church stands up, you know, and it's just like, he's like, wow, I'd, glad to meet you guys, you know? And so um, it's just amazing. It really is. Have they had some type of other fellowship, either over the phone or, or you know, Zoom? What, what have they done during COVID to keep on advancing the gospel and keep discipling those new believers? A lot of that's happened on one-on-one and relationships. And again, a, a lot of it happens in these mentoring processes where they're getting their skills training. Um, a great example of this is uh, there was an imam who left the mosque. He took a good portion of the people with him from the mosque. Um, he began getting skills training as a, a welder, a guy that was close to him in the mosque. He's working with him. And um, but they're also being discipled uh-huh. as, they're, as they're doing the training. And now he still is welding, um, but he also leads a church of 200. And so the church is poor. They're not able to completely support a full-time pastor. And so he continues to do his, his welding business. But it's just, you know, it's through those relationships. And some churches have been able to meet more than others, but they've found ways around it, even without technology of continuing to share the faith and continuing to disciple people. It's interesting to me, one of the themes that has come in our conversation a couple times is Mm -hmm. how God is at work in the midst of horrible things. Right. Uh, And and God is using attacks Mm -hmm. in Mozambique to make Muslims think about, do I really want to be a Muslim? Mm -hmm. He's using COVID Mm -hmm. in Uganda. I think that just reminds us of how God works in the midst of horrible situations, right. and his kingdom is advancing. Mm-hmm. How do we pray for Uganda and for the people, particularly in these heavily Muslim areas? One of the things they would pray for is stamina as well. I mean, they've got a lot of work to do, mm-hmm. and it's exciting, Yeah, um, but they need more laborers for the harvest field. They need more what they call MBB caregivers to help care for these Muslims who are coming to faith. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of discipleship, a lot of care. And so, you know, I mean, we met one pastor who had 28 people living in his home. You know, it's just wow. as he's trying to find places for them, other people to care for them. And and that's the kind of sacrifices they're making. But, you know, they're excited to see what the Lord's doing and to see, again, how what looks to us like a terrible thing, you know, coronavirus or something, for them is an opportunity. And, you know, the refrain we— kept hearing from people is the gospel is not on lockdown. You know, we, we, I heard that from a couple of pastors and it's just encouraging to see how they, they see something that looks like a, like a challenge. It, it's an opportunity for them and they've made the most of that opportunity. So I, I think for them, they would just say, continue to pray um, that the Lord would continue to use this but they need help and they need stamina and they need more caregivers and they need laborers and so that the Lord would provide those laborers for the harvest field. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com. All donations of $2 and more are tax-deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted.